All right, everybody. Recipe Club game is live on Major Domo Discord. If you haven't signed up for Discord, you can do so at MajorDomoMedia.com. If you're wondering what Discord is, it's, I mean, I think it was created for nerds and gamers. But if you're a food nerd, it makes sense to join. It, it gives you a lot of insight about where to eat globally, specific towns, just generally what's going on in culture. And now you can be a food gamer. You can be a food gamer. By playing our games. And win Major Domo Gold. We're releasing new episodes of Recipe Club. And you can join along with us. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But also, you got great discount codes for any day cookware, common to your coffee, athletic brewing, and of course, all things Momofuku at shop.momofuku.com. Let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dome Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. So, by the time this comes out, I think that, uh, yes, for sure. The Rewatchables episode of Chef is going to be out. And I did that with Bill Simmons. Man, it's so hard to talk about something when your friends made it. Mm -hmm. But I I would say overall, it's an extremely rewatchable film. It's always on TV. And there's one thing I wanted to just sort of say. I don't know if it was clear because I haven't even listened to the episode. I said the food was dated, right? And that's not a knock on Roy. Like he does a squid, an octopus dish. That's timeless dishes like that. But anything composed, if I plated anything in 2013, Mm. it's going to look dated. Mm. And I think it's just the idea. And I've always said this because I'm friends with comedians. They say, comedians always say for like 99% of all jokes age terribly. Comedy Mm. ages poorly. And you, all you have to do is look at comedy from the past and be like, well, I don't know if that was that funny. Not even from a now it's offensive standpoint, just that's not a funny it's joke not funny anymore. anymore. Right. Very few things are funny, not just cross-cultural, but cross-timelines. And, and I, I actually mean this, and even though it sounds good, I, I think it is really true. Nothing ages worse than food. <laughs> Way worse than comedy because it's a visual thing. Right. And... I think if you look at the plates from the aughts to the early teens, it's a specific kind of plating in independent, high-end, ambitious restaurants that we've talked about. We can talk about plating ad nauseum, but there's things that happen. And I was like, you know, the question that Bill brought up was something he brings up all the time in rewatchables. What's aged poorly? The plating has aged, not poorly. It's just aged Mm -hmm. doing a swoosh. That's as cutting edge as anything in 2013, 2014. But today, you rarely see the swoosh. Well, you're always comparing food to fashion. That's what it makes me think of is looking Mm. at the clothes from 10 years ago. It looked cool at the time. And then you have timeless pieces, right? You have sushi and pizza, which are just timeless because they are classic design, classic look. But you look back and you say, I can't believe we wore that. The Cubano Cubano in it's classic. The grilled cheese that's made in it is classic. The alio e olio, classic. Those are things that are sort of timeless. But if you made a deconstructed Cubano, it's going to look aged. But certain things where it's not a food thing that's like everyone knows, again, timeless, it ages very poorly. If you look at old cookbooks from the 70s and 80s, if you look at Marco Pierre White's, Pierre White's cookbook from Harvey's, White, White Heat, White, yeah, White Heat, looks super dated. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of the best, best food that was 
done from three Michelin star restaurants look super dated with the exception of say something like Fergus Henderson. And we've talked about this before. And I think that's currently the state of, of where plating is right now. Super, super simple. Mm-hmm. And I think in 10, 15 years, another 10 years from now, we're going to look at the plating today and be like, well, that was very basic and looks aged. It's going to look non-sophisticated, I think. Right. It's like watching a, it's, it's, we love to talk about future movies too, right? It's like look, walking, watching a future movie where time has caught up. Watching The Predator, which was set in 2007 or whatever, and saying, well, that sure as shit isn't what 2007 looked like. So, yeah. That's all I wanted to bring up. So, listen to that episode of The Rewatchables. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a good tie into the series that's on Netflix with Chef that uh, I've been on. And, yeah, it's just weird. I, I don't even know what to say. How do I talk about this? You know, no, it's, it's not a knock on anybody. It's not a knock on the food at all. It's just food is constantly changing. I think people don't zoom out and think about it. Right. I think we understand a few little visual tropes, but yeah, all the food from a certain era looks of that certain era. Yeah. And that's what I meant is whatever I could have been doing it. It would look dated, Mm -hmm. but again, all you have to do is when you go out to say a restaurant that's on the, you know, best, hottest, most essential, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to see food that is very plated, very simply. Mm-hmm. That's what I... Right now, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Another thing that I wanted to talk about today. So today we're going to talk about tables mm-hmm. in restaurants. Does it even matter? Number two, uh, communal dining, et cetera. And the last thing we're going to talk about is teppanyaki. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. When I was in Taiwan, at the hotel we were staying at, I had to have a meeting with Marguerite. I went there early and I was wearing shorts and flip-flops. It looked like I rolled out of bed. Mm-hmm. Didn't look great. And it's a sort of a sophisticated, it was sort of like a sophisticated, clubby ambiance, mm-hmm. a lot of business meetings. The room was, for the most part, dead empty. <laughs> uh-huh. All I know about what you're, where you're going is this note I have on the sheet that says, the worst table I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. It's just all headed. So there's people dining outside because it was like a, actually a pretty mild day for Taiwanese weather. Dead empty. There's probably a hundred seats in this lounge <laughs> restaurant type of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> The major D takes me straight to the back left corner. And I'm like, right. there's just a pillar. We go around the pillar. 
<laughs> and there's a table right there in the corner that's blocked. You couldn't even see it from the entrance. It's I've never seen a table like this in my life. <laughs> that's where they hide the shorts, guys. I almost felt like cool. It was not. Um, it was almost it was, a private dining room. It was, it was basically a private dining room. It was very clear to me that they were like, we got to hide this. Mm-hmm. We, this is where we put stupid Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'll show you a video later and I'll put it, probably put it on social media. You couldn't see the dining room. You're literally wedged in a corner <laughs> and all you can see is a giant pillar. Uh-huh. And to get around the pillar, you have to shimmy between that and the banquette to get in. And I was like, it's almost like a hidden secret table. But they it was you. impossible to get service but, because you had to come out and flag the server down because they had no idea. You're completely invisible to anybody that's there. You could be just like that guy in office space who just works yeah. in the basement for the years. The only people that people could knowing. see us because we're sitting against the window outside or the people dining outside. <laughs> They're the only people that could see us. So... It dawned on me the only way a server could see us is when they're going outside and then they could see us. And you have this quick window to just flag them down and say, we're still here. We're still alive. And you know what? I didn't care. I think, you know, I, I don't care if I get a bad table. I really don't. Well, what, let's, let's put a, let's define a bad table though. What is a bad table? So you're, you, in your mind, an obstructed view. Some people probably would have freaked the fuck out if they got this table. <laughs> Like, I just laugh my ass off. I, I mean, no doubt it's because, I mean, there's no real doubt that it's because you were short flip-flop roll out of bed guy, right? They were tucking you in the back corner. I don't know, but it was like, I can't believe how bad this table is. It was unequivocally, it was bad for the sole reason that you couldn't even get anyone's attention. So you had you, to get out, move around the pillar and flag someone down. That's what I mean as a bad table. <laughs> Visually, just your your camp flushed in. Yeah, I, the, I think the, the what we're saying here is a bad table, and I've 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 sat in these tables before, not that kind, but sometimes. Oh my god! <laughs> you just that, that pillar is just, when you say pillar, that's not a pillar. That's like one of the seven wonders of the ancient yeah, it's world. Giant. <laughs> it's gigantic. It's crazy. And there's only one back there. Yeah, that's it. Just us. Honestly, it's a pretty. Did good. you see how empty that restaurant was? Honestly, it's a pretty good room. <laughs> pretty good. Honestly, it's pretty good. And I, I wanted to like parse out that clearly historically, at least in America, getting seated at the table you'd wanted mm-hmm. based on your skin color mm-hmm. is a real thing, and you know, hopefully, not an issue. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. Like we, we can clearly understand that's been a problem, right? And probably is continuing to be a problem here or there. I'm simply saying getting sat at a bad table, is that really a bad thing? Whenever, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a room where, you know, like, I don't think it's that bad of bad of a thing. Well, I think there's a couple of things that play here because for anybody who watches Ted Lasso, this comes up over and over and over That's again. That's another right? reason why I wanted to bring it up. Nate always is asking for the window table, the, the sort of prime uh, A-lister show-off table. This is you're up on a platform out in the window. You are, you are important because the restaurant has chosen to place you front and center. Somebody that everyone else in the restaurant has to see as they're walking by or walking in. That is a quote-unquote archetypal good table. But they're still judging. 
Right. Everyone's judging. Everyone says, oh, we don't judge. They're judging you. Yeah. You and I, I think, agree that that kind of quote unquote good table sucks. Sucks. <laughs> Do not want to be at that it's the fucking worst table. table. Do not want to be at that table. Which is why I wanted to just say there's value in getting a shitty table. Yes. Shitty in the sense of being tucked away and hidden. That's fucking amazing. I know. There are probably bad tables in other ways where I don't want, I mean, in certain restaurants for sure, right? Dim sum restaurants, if you're outside of the, outside of the, the dim sum cart route, terrible table. Right. Yeah. If you're up against the entryway and you still get, keep on getting like nudged, if it's, it, listen, this is what I wanted to say as a caveat for someone that's had historically small, sometimes uncomfortable restaurants. There is no good table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you keep on getting bumped by people to get into the bathroom, guess what? It's a fucking tiny restaurant. Yeah. Everything's going to be uncomfortable. Right. There's nothing you can do about that. So I, I don't understand the complaining about that. Whether you're in a place that doesn't or not, you're still, the beginning days of noodle bar, especially when we had coat, everyone that went to the bathroom, you, you had to get up out of your seat for the most part and let people through. Right. I'm, again, I'm not talking about that either. Part of me is like, you just have to assume you know, it's like it's a small restaurant. There are no good tables when, unless, unless it's a big cavernous empty restaurant and they have placed you somewhere where you're getting bumped. Do you subscribe to the traditional wisdom that uh, booth better than table? I hate booths. Oh, interesting. Unless it's like, like Musso and Frank's where you're looking out. And, but again, I found out that in Musso and Frank's, all those tables are, are like historically important tables for certain famous people. Mm-hmm. I don't like banquets as a, Big Asian boy. Yeah. Because you feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Right? I like them when they're round. Square banquets, I'm not a big fan. So the benefit of the individual seats is that we can all adjust our distance to the table. A a set banquet or a a booth. Listen, if it's too small for me, it's too small for me and I'm just stuck in there. Size matters in this regard where if you are a four top but it can fit six people, that's that's not ideal. Right. The only thing that you can do is sort of like just squeeze in. I don't, I don't think that's a bad table. That has more of, well, there's six of us and we're trying to squeeze into a four top. Mm-hmm. That's not a, that's nobody's fault other than like your own. You should cut out two friends in your own. <laughs> what are traditionally bad tables in people's minds next to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. I agree. It's not a bad table. Easy access. Easy access. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's huge. I mean, not too too close to the bathroom, but sure, I got you. But again, if you're too close to the bathroom, busy restaurant and it's small, fine, yeah, it's okay. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you are in a restaurant where you're going to smell fecal matter because <laughs> you're so close, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. What is the end of that sentence? Deal, <laughs> deal with it. You <laughs> just you, you. That's that's your lot in life. Okay. Too close to the door, I get, but I don't care. I'm just happy. If it's that busy, mm-hmm. I'm just happy to be seated. Yeah, I agree with that. Who cares? I agree with if that. If they don't have a bar, I went to Sea Harbor. I was like, whatever the fuck you got. I had a weird experience. Tell me if you tell me how you feel about this experience. You might you might actually really like this. But the last time I thought, oh, I'm not loving this, this table situation. I went to a restaurant for my with my dad for his birthday and my family. It was busy restaurant in like Newport Beach or something. You know exactly what it is. It's called Newport Seafood. Just call it, <laughs> it was not, no, it was a different one. It was no? not Newport Seafood. Uh, 
there was a private party in one of the rooms. And then between the main dining room and this private party room, there was kind of a, another sort of in-between room of tables that I think they had reserved for the private party, but were extra. They didn't need them. <laughs> so they walked us through the dining, the very busy dining room into this kind of purgatory area where we were just sat by ourselves between these two worlds, between the private party and the busy dining room. And I thought, well, this is, this is, this sucks. I've been placed in like a weird in-between zone. And why are we not allowed to be in the main dining room? And then it occurred to me, oh, I have kids here. And also I don't like people. There couldn't be a better place for me in the whole restaurant. I got a private space in a traditionally quote unquote shitty situation. See, I think the only thing that sucks is the, the service potentially. So in a, in a restaurant, if you are in a shitty location and you get bad service, then that, yeah, that sucks. But like that can happen in a good location in the restaurant as well. Yes. The probability, the, the possibility is higher because you have, you know, servers have their sections. And if there's a random table and kind of an island, they might, it's just not in their normal route. For those that don't know that haven't worked front of the house, or back of the house hospitality. Servers, for the most part, are like a baseball team pitching staff. You have an ace. And they don't, you know, they're not the fifth starter or sixth starter. Uh-huh. They're getting like the primo tables. So the trade-off is you're getting a tier three server potentially. Mm-hmm. Just a body that can get the ball over the plate. That's all. I don't, that's fine <laughs> for me. I don't care. <laughs> Do you have any preferences when it comes to tables? I prefer along the perimeter of the restaurant rather than the middle. Honestly, just get me fucking seated. I don't give a fuck. I mean, if they don't have a bar and if I'm with my kids, it's like wherever we can, wherever we can care. get in there. Yeah. I, again, that's could just be me, but I don't understand why people throw a shit fit because like, Oh, I got to get better. Who gives a fuck? So give us the reverse as from the restaurant's perspective. How often, how big of a deal do you think this is to diners? Huge. Really? Yeah. Like people come in and what? They'll wait for another table. They'll complain about their table. If you're going to a super hot restaurant in say New York City, Mm -hmm. like the most desirable top five sexiest spots, Mm -hmm. crunchy, juicy. Juicy. And if you're just an average schmo, (laughs) right? Average diner, you're there, you you don't go there. Right, just you don't you haven't visited any other restaurants. So this is why being a regular at other restaurants are important. All servers and cooks they've all rotated out different restaurants. If you're a good diner, you are a known commodity. Mm -hmm. You're going to get. Hey, next time you come in, here's number. Call us, and that's what I mean. Like anybody that's not that, like they're not going to put a valuable regular. In a crappy table. Got it. They're also not going to put a schmo into a great table, generally, if they can avoid it. But this is where variable pricing comes in. Hmm. And I think that eventually what's going to matter is who pays the most for those tables. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like, just like a stadium. Like, if you really want, if you go to the New York Knicks or playing the Miami Heat, they have a lot of celebrities on the, on the floor. But if you're a schmo with dough, you can get on the floor that's too. That's all I'm trying to say. It's the same thing. It's a reflection of the same economics. I got you. 
you're going to have to really pay. Right. But if you were like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, and you've been, you know, immunized, then you can sit anywhere you want. <laughs> you get invited, you can do whatever. Jessica Alba was there. She can sit wherever. They're right. sitting her on the floor. Restaurants work off that same methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you wanted to pay, you can pay and you can do it. Right. And I think that will, I think those prime tables, that's just going to be part of the equation now. Moving but forward. do you see, so at, at any of the various Momofuku's, are your hosts and hostesses and, and servers all going to see are they going to have to experience people in this day and age coming in and throwing shit fits about not getting no, the right table? It's not, I don't think that's about that. For me, again, this is why I love no reservation restaurants. It's as uh, it's what you see is what you get. There's nothing. You're just coming in, which is why I love sort of that Asian mentality of a ramen bar or something. You're just going in. It's like wherever I can sit, great. I'm going to eat and get the fuck out. Right, 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 right. There is one, I th- I'm sure there's other ways that you can express. Maybe it doesn't happen right off the get-go if you go to a restaurant. Let's just say you're average schmo and you're going in and you're like, you know what? I've just moved to this town. I want to come back here. You have no connections whatsoever. Uh-huh. And you're, you're sitting in an area that you're like, this isn't like the best area. <laughs> They're squeezing me in. I've got three people. They're squeezing us in in a two-top and we're backed up against the door and it's just not. I'm in Schmoesville. I'm in Schmoesville. <laughs> There's one thing you can do. What's that? You got to take a page out of Pretty Woman. <laughs> what? I don't remember what happens in Pretty Woman. What she happens? gets a lot of dough to spend and then she goes shopping and they disregard her. And then she's like, oh yeah, fuck yourselves. And she buys everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You're sitting in Schmoesville, but you're ordering like floor seats. That's right. This is your pretty woman moment. I, you know what? I didn't remember the reference, but this you is have power. This is the fucking it killer takes, move. It takes some money. It takes, listen, it takes some ducats to pull this off. <laughs> but I just wanted to warn everybody that this is the one move I anyone can pull. Right? If you ducats. if you feel like you've been ignored, right? It's not personal most of the times, right? And you you're just a law abiding. This is you know, and you're sitting. Let's just say. There's three of you and you're squashed into a two top next to the bathroom door and you're not, you're not loving it. It's fine. I don't give a shit, right? I really don't. I don't care. I'm not like Nate and fucking Ted Lasso. Give, <laughs> give, actually, give me that table Aren't back Aren't you a left. little like Nate and Ted? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love spitting at myself. <clears throat> give me the worst. I, I really don't. But Ooh, I, I think love- people want to know. I think people want to know. If you feel like you've been looked over if you feel like I don't know I like my last town that I was in I had like I had juice like what the fuck one move mm-hmm. you just gotta make sure your bank account can handle <laughs> you gotta order like a crazy person I love this move you gotta order so fucking hard mm. that they're gonna pay attention <laughs> I love this move you gotta go ham yeah and they're going to kiss your ring yeah. And they're going to they're going to realize their own stupidity like oh, we judged a book by its cover. This guy's no schmo. This guy's a king in disguise, queen in disguise. Listen, then what they're going to do is like, "Hey, do you want to move to a bigger table?" You're like, "No, no, no, no. Bring more tables to me and put them together." <laughs> <laughs> you don't fucking get up. 
I mean, that's a power move. You know what I'm talking about. No, no, no we're good. We're this. good at this back table. You bring another table and you just fucking attach it. So it looks awkward as fuck. You build an annex and you name it after me over yeah. here. I'm serious. You know this happens. Happens in a lot of different kinds of restaurants where they're like, are they, you look at across the room and like, are they bringing another fucking table just to put more food on? <laughs> yeah. This yeah. Move, this, move, yeah. this move is so sick. I love this move. I love pretty just woman like, move. don't throw a shit fit. Don't, don't have, don't Get have even. A, don't do, don't do anything that makes you look lesser. You just, you happily and graciously sit down, accept your table. And then you just show them what you got. Show them who's boss. <laughs> show them who's boss. Order you buy their affection <laughs> and their love. I fucking you feel that void in your life. I love this move, especially for somebody like me who has, you know, the only, you know, this is, this is, you walk into a open mic night and you're just like a dweeby uh, man or woman and no one's expecting out, anything out of you. And you step up to the stage and you just belt out a huge song from the bottom of your diaphragm. I can't do that, but I can be, I can order a big from the shitty table. Ah, I love this move. Yeah. It's like, again, there's three of us and a two top. Let's just say, I mean, give me a restaurant and I'll tell you like a, a hypothetical order. <laughs> I mean, let's say you get seated at Musso and Frank's. Oh, okay. First, I'm going to order the entire appetizer section. <laughs> Right. Even that's a good thing. That's why you want to like load up on things that are visually probably lower in price, but visually are going to take a lot of fucking space. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, there's going to be a ton of stuff in the 10 to $25 range. Right. Right. And then you just, you know, if there's three people, you do double rounds. So you just, you just want to pack it, pack it there. And, and Musa, they give you the sidecar of booze. You're getting the meatballs, polenta. I got the cold consomme. I got every salad, even though it's like the same salad. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, they're just like, oh, oh, do you, can we order the second course? I'm like, no, I'm not ordering the second course. I'm, I'm going to eat this first. And they're like, what are they going to say? This motherfucker just ordered everything on the fucking appetizer section. <laughs> what are they going to say? You got to order your. Entree now? I'm like, no, man. I'm fucking taking my sweet ass time. I'm enjoying where I am this right now. This is a six hour. You turn this into a six hour meal, man. We need to turn this table. It's like, fuck yourself. No, you're not. No, you don't. You don't need this table. We, we both know you don't need this table. So after that, that's when you that's when you also order wine. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to, it's gonna hurt because you're gonna have to be like, they're gonna have to, you gotta order the kind of wine they're like, dude, the sommelier is not here. We need to like He's off today or she's off today. They got to come in. That type of fucking wine. <laughs> I'm just, you're just tucked into a little two top by the bathroom. Yeah. Just ordering DRC. I love yeah. it. I fucking love it. You can order the Methuselah <laughs> wine. They got to wheel that shit in. Uh, sir, we traditionally have to bring a cart in to open this, but it doesn't fit into this little hallway you are. That's fine. Just pour it out there. And the thing is this, again, not only is this not going to be great on the pocket, Financially, it's not going to be good on food waste. This is not a, a move that anyone should do unless you're in like a dire straits, mm -hmm. truly dire straits. Then you got to, because you're barely going to eat any of it. You're barely going to touch it. 
listen, if you want to, if you want to be a baller, you got to act like a baller. So just go for it. And then you got uh, Musa. You're going to order things that, like you've never ordered. I want to get the the Welsh rarebit, even though I know that's not a Welsh. You're going to have things that are like, whoa! I'll get the liver. You then you're going to do a whole awful make course. <laughs> I'll have the calves brains. I'll have the tripe, uh, whatever. Not that they don't have tripe, but they have liver. <laughs> they have two kinds of liver, if I recall. I was like, you're going to get that. Well, get them both. Get them both. <laughs> yeah. then, then you're going to get all, like, four pastas. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they have a lot of pastas. And then you're going to get, like, three steaks. This, the, what you do, though, again, you load up on all the sides. <laughs> You get them all. Quantity, quantity, quantity. Because now they really have to fucking bring another table because what are you going to do? You can't order that? Yeah. That's too much food? You have a right it's called to a, be the a, biggest a, pain in the ass they've ever fucking seen. That's why it's called a side table. Just <laughs> sides. You know, I, I just wanted to quickly point out, this move also works if you are uh, one of these very busy restaurants as well, and it's not just about table placement, but if you sit there and you think, Man, I've been passed over on this list so many times. I've been waiting for four hours for my for my food to be sat. Don't get mad. <laughs> get even. <laughs> they if you had to wait for three and a half, four hours for your table at a, you know, busy restaurant X, graciously sit down and pull off this move too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. I mean, if you really wanted to save, you just sit down at a restaurant that has like a sick wine list and be like, yeah, I'll have a, you know. Your chem or whatever, uh, any bottle that's like stupid expensive, that's not even that good. It's like, you know, like what does that bottle cost? <laughs> that's Robert that Parker's like, tasting. Yeah, it's a like, stupid bottle. That was like a $2,500. Like, you know, it's like either pay rent or buy this bottle. <laughs> either pay you rent. You gotta be in that situation. Either pay rent or make a point here at this yeah. restaurant right yeah, now. That's it. <laughs> Those are my two so options. you order this stupidly overpriced. Bottle of wine. First thing off the bat. This fucking move is insane. I love it. Then all of a sudden, people are going to be like, they're going to be like, did we fuck up? Who is this oh, person? Oh, heads will turn. Oh, yeah. that's the question. Who is this Who person? Who is this person? Yeah, that's right. That's it. That, I mean, you got to do something to be like, put some respect on my name, motherfuckers. Don't you ever fucking put me at the table again unless I request it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do something like it could be there's other ways to do it but it, it's like it's something that catches the awareness of like who what yeah even the ticket comes in there like again you can tell someone's a good diner or not it's like whoa did the server is gonna come back the captain i'm like did you take this order it's like no no, no he <laughs> recited this to me it's eight different courses of food what who is this person? Where are they? We can't see them. They're, where are they? Oh, they're in the pillar table back there. I love this move. This is, I mean, no no guaranteed success here, but no. you got to go big. No, no, no. 1,000% guarantee <laughs> this works. I mean, if you really go big, it'll work. I'm not recommending this move at all. Yes. So to be but clear. But in fact, if you want to support independent restaurants, this is what you do. Yeah. You take a loan out. <laughs> And you spend it all. Right. To be clear, this is not this is not a go and try to sort of do this move. Sort of order 120% of what you would normally order. You're talking about 1,000 to 1,500% of your normal order is yes. what we're talking about here. Now, again, going back to this place in Taiwan, I could have done this, but I was, I didn't want it. I was too cheap. 
<laughs> I was I was okay. I didn't need to. I was like, this table's sort of awesome. It's like I got a free private dining room. Right. You're also faced with Chinese people who are just gonna be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> so that I I'm sure there's other maneuvers. Yeah. But if you wanna let people know if you're going to a new town and you don't have any street cred, you don't have any pole connection. Order like a fucking. This is the equivalent. Richie Rich. Your first day in prison. You're supposed Unfortunately, to. Unfortunately, yes. This isn't. This isn't very equitable in any form or fashion. And I'm not recommend. This is not financial advice. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you do care, you want a peacock. This is what you do. Yeah. This is the advice for people who are otherwise just going to throw a fit. This yeah. is a better way. If you're the type of person who is going to throw a fit, this is much better and more fun, and way more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I love this move so much. Um, all right, let's take a break. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Chris is still laughing at this fucking move. The pretty woman move. I just, I just, I'm just daydreaming about it. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save the money just to do this move someday. It feels great. I feel like just like Julia Roberts. <laughs> it's such an amazing feeling of retribution. But it, I mean, the the Julia Roberts thing, the pretty woman thing, is real because it's such a good move that they've made cinematic tropes around the same exact thing. The the under undervalued, underappreciated, you know, just diamond in the rough comes in and just can ball out of control. I love it. Pretty woman move. (laughs) If you see that happen, you should celebrate that person. (laughs) Anytime you see anybody where they have to bring at least another one table to Mm -hmm. this person, the real baller move is not getting up and moving because they're going to offer that. Don't. Oh, definitely don't move. Don't fucking move. (laughs) Do not fucking move. (laughs) You're going to lose all fucking juice if you move. (laughs) If you do get, not get up, if you look, you look thirsty as fuck. If no. suddenly they say, "Oh, excuse yeah. me, sir, we should move you to no, the no, no. to the finest table in the house." Absolutely if you not. get up and you and you just say, "Oh, oh, thank you, finally," then the jig is up. Then you're no longer a baller. I got a quick story, even though it has nothing to do with anything, but sort of like this. I got a friend that's obscenely wealthy, been very successful on his own accord, and I was, I was there. Thank you. Thank you for hiding my and again, identity. This can seem apocryphal because I, I literally wasn't there because I hate nightclubs and I hate all that stuff. But they went for like a day club pool thing in Vegas. And the reservation they had for a cabana was not like available. Hmm. So they just waited in line and they waited just like everyone else thinking that these guys are schmoes. Wrong. <laughs> they were promised, I think, table 17. Or cabana, a bunk, whatever, 17. So they went in between 17 and 18, the cabanas. 
and wedge themselves there. <laughs> Fortunately, this only works if you're like obscenely wealthy and what a dumb way to spend money. So they ordered like, if you go to nightclub, you can buy like stupid stuff. Mm. So they bought all these stupid bottles. <laughs> But they were just served to them like in the middle of like the regular yeah. in, the, in between, like you know, it's like you have like in the alleyway between like the alleyway cabanas of cabanas. This is a true story. I know it sounds apocryphal. So they started just ordering, and everyone was like, "Who are these people? Who? What is going on? They don't even have a a fucking chair." <laughs> They decided to put the seafood plateau on the ground. Yeah, what the fuck is going on over here? I mean, I, that, again, I swear to God, I was not there. This has all been told to me. So everyone's like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Now, because if you order those stupid bottles, everyone can see. <laughs> and they continue to just buy stupid stuff to the point. This is legitimately what happened. They made a 17.5 shut the fuck up thing for them. They brought furniture the whole night. I swear to God. 17 and a half. So at, bungalow. The, at the cabana, yeah. At the highest form of this move, yeah. The restaurant or establishment or club or whatever will in fact build a restaurant around you. <laughs> yeah. What Just. are you supposed to do? This person is spending the amount of money that this for a couple weeks. So like in these like hypothetical, but like also ridiculous scenarios, what are you going to say? No, don't spend all your money Uh here. uh No, they're going to cave to whatever you want to do. I just love the idea of at some point them saying, oh, we had no idea. This this cabana is available now. If you'd like to move in, you're saying, no, I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm good here. You know, $15,000 bottle of DRC (laughs) and, you know, the Somalia gets wind of it on their like, you know, they get a apple or you know whatever and they're like what i thought i put that on there as a joke <laughs> what the fuck about that thing i love it so much it's some it's it's some version of would drastically underestimate <laughs> would drastically <laughs> underestimate yeah i love it all right I love that's, a, that's not what we're here talking about but he is really loving this pretty woman move good it's just like it's it's right in my sweet spot of fantasy just proving it's people fantasy. proving people but again yeah. remember don't get up don't get up never get up <laughs> never That's get the, up you get just, up you, you gotta use the bathroom just pee in your pants <laughs> wait for them to bring the toilet to you yeah alright um so we talk a lot about future food etc um and we've talked recently about buffets um I think we accurately call like what's in vogue right now, experiential restaurants, places that people feel uh, there's a, a certain vibe, ambiance, celebrities. It's, it's, it's the scene and be seen type of stuff. It's mm. the kind of place where getting a good table matters. Mm. You know, I'm not saying the food can't be great, but it's more of the scene than sure. not. Um, and those restaurants, and there's some restaurants that do both of that, the scene and the food, but those restaurants are really thriving right now. And anything that's a small six to seven seat sushi is doing extremely well. And I think we're going we're, we're to continue to see that. When the middle gets potentially squeezed out, I don't know. But buffets and all the versions and iterations of buffet are out there. I was at a teppanyaki restaurant in Taipei 
and it was Japanese and it's called Yurai, Yurikai. I can't remember the name exactly. Yukai. Anyway, beautiful dining room. And if you don't know what teppanyaki is, most people probably have been there through a Benihana. Mm-hmm. One of the most quintessential American dining experiences out there. I love Benihana and I love all the knockoffs of Benihana because mm-hmm. it's all great. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Really quick. Do you enjoy the food at Benihana's? It's okay. It's as good as it has to be, right? It doesn't matter. It's not about the food. Right. It's the same reason like people go to these senior restaurants. It's not about the food. I, I mean, I'm on the same page. Any invitation to Benihana, I'm in. I'm really there. Mostly, I want to see just at the level of skill level of the chef in front of me. Are they going to flip fucking shrimp everywhere in my pocket? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. are they going to do the volcano in a way that I've never seen before? How good is their ability to spell love with the heart? With egg. If the, with the egg, can they crack that? Or they have to get a squeeze bottle? All kinds of things. All fun, experiential. Mm-hmm. And again, experience is key. This is where I think everyone's going to have to make their bread and butter to some degree. But teppanyaki is a lot like many things in Asian cuisine. Teriyaki, right? Or it just gets mutated in a good way into something else. Mm-hmm. Teppanyaki is an art form. You see that on, in some of the kapo places in Kyoto. Kapo being a front-facing kaiseki, which is a little bit less formal, more informal, I should say. And the cook's directly cooking towards you, but it's on a a griddle facing the diner. Hot, the best versions of teppanyaki are amazing. And a lot of steakhouses there are, are teppanyaki. And it's not all the same kind of cuisine. Sometimes it's Japanese. Sometimes it's sort of European. Sometimes it's just steak, whatever. And you can have exquisitely, exquisitely done food done teppanyaki. My favorite kind of way to eat is where they bring out the entire menu, like all the ingredients say, this is what we're going to cook for you today. There's no menu. It's just like what you see is what you get. And this beautiful sort of cornucopia of ingredients. And they just start cooking. And they can't really be super cool because the food has to be straightforward and Mm -hmm. delicious. It's ingredient driven. And again, where it's not necessarily uh, Benihana, which I love. People love Benihana's. But this is a little bit different. It's a, it's more refined. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be. But I was saying, like, if I was a uh, someone trying to open up an ambitious restaurant, I'd probably open up a teppanyaki spot. The reason I bring up the teppanyaki is not necessarily why it's important. Is I'm not saying make teppanyaki food in a Japanese way or an Asian way. I think you should use the technology and the, 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 the sort of the system of teppanyaki to cook whatever the hell you want to cook. It's, it's sort of universal, right? People see it all the time. Like I would say if I was going to open up like a small hamburger joint, I'd do it on teppan. But mm-hmm. you're facing, how cool would that be? Is a hamburger joint where someone's just making everything a la minute for you? You sort of see that at White Mana in New Jersey, which is like, we show that in Ugly, uh, not Ugly, ugh. Next Kulu, next thing you eat. It's amazing. They're facing, a lot of times people are eating teppanyaki at a short order diner with a short order cook where the, but the back is facing. What if you just turn it around in a world where many things are discovered and there's very few things left to sort of discover. The only thing left is to rearrange the furniture. Literally. Literally. 
<laughs> and, and, and to see things in a different angle, even if it's a little bit different, that's good enough. So what if you, what if all diners, instead of your back facing the customer, it was facing the customer, you're talking to the customer like it's, you know, a sushi counter. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that I love where you're going with this. First of all, it brings together the two other things we talked about. One is plating is not a thing in this. And also there's no such thing as a bad seat in this situation. Every seat is good and plating is simple and utilitarian. And the other thing you said is this doesn't have to be Japanese. We're talking about plancha, komal, short order, diner, cook. Like, I agree. The best thing about Waffle House is watching those short order cooks do their thing. You turn it around the other way and make that sort of the central feature. That's amazing. You see this a lot in, in Spanish country, uh, the Basque country, where even in Barcelona, like that plancha is basically just tepon. So just take the word tepon out and just be like, it's a, it's a hot plate, hot griddle cooking facing the customer. I think that that small shift changes the dynamic completely. And yeah, you could just do hamburgers and it'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be super high end. I, I, I really hope that we're seeing an evolution of how restaurants get set up. And I think people should think about the, the utility of what a teppanyaki style cooking can do for somebody. And the reason why it's important for small restaurants, labor can be extremely, you can control it like super, super tight. It's very experiential. And it gives you the luxury of going super high end or super low end. It doesn't matter, but you're giving that experience. There's no reason why that experience has to only be part of the, like uh, the $500, $600 sushi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I hope we can start to see that. I, I love it. Like when I was in Istanbul, a lot of the, my, my favorite spot where the charcoal was like right in front of me. I don't know legally if that's going to happen in America where because the embers were like hitting your face, but a tepanyaki, you don't really have that too much. And there is some distance. So like, yeah, imagine Benihana, but it wasn't, you know, Japanese American food. Yeah. It could be Asada. I'll be sick. <laughs> yeah. So talk about the, I, I, I think that, um, look, I think there also is a place for high-end tepanyaki for sure. I think we've, we haven't seen very much of that. But talk about the tepon or the komal or just like the flat top as a tool and where you like, what, what are the, what are the benefits of this as a tool or a technology? I mean, besides the, uh, the seasoning of it and it's just super easy to cook with, not easy, but you don't have to change your pots and pans every time. You're just scraping stuff off. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as a griddle, mm-hmm. right? Maximum my yard. Everything's, everything's cooking. Flat right there. That's why the hash browns at Waffle House are so good. It's a oh, huge cooking griddle. surface. It's all usable. It's pretty amazing. So whatever you're thinking about, whatever restaurant you want to open up, maybe it's just on a griddle. Mm-hmm. But just change the griddle where it's forward facing. You don't have to buy a ton of pots and pans. Everything's right there. And what I love about it is you don't have the opportunity to get too cool, too inside your head. It's like, it is what it is. I would love to see different kinds of cuisine done on a teppanyaki. Mm-hmm. For the same reason when we did Lucky Peach, like we joked about Ruth Krishnas, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. tandoori oven is sick. It's such an amazing cooking tool. And I would love, I mean, the problem is it's like extremely sacrilegious <laughs> to was... make a steakhouse with tandoori ovens. Right. For those who don't follow us way, way, way back, I think Dave and I were sitting at, I think we we're at Booker and Dax. And we came up with this idea that 
oh, what's the one thing you can't cook in a tandoor oven? This amazing technology. Oh, fuck. What if there was steak? <laughs> you just do a steakhouse. And not to be, I mean, you don't have to do something sacrilegious like that, which goes against, you know, cultural uh, values and, and norms. But, dude, the griddle is. And that, that's what I love. I love these mashups. It's why, again, it took a lot of effort and you have to study it when you're trying to merge these things together. But to me, this is exactly how like a chat GPT AI like might not think, you know what I mean? Because it's not putting that point of view from creator quite yet. Maybe in 15 years, it will Mm -hmm. to come up with ideas. But these are the kinds of ideas that I cherish right now because it takes some thought and you have to think outside yourself a little bit to merge something together that is so commonplace once you see it executed Mm -hmm. properly. I would love, I would love, love nothing more than to have more teppanyaki type spots. So that'd be super cool. You have another thing on, on here about tempura, which is sort of a similar vibe. When you go to like a tempura place in Japan, it's different than what we know it. But it only works with teppanyaki. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work with, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see tempura like we do in Japan. Again, maybe. But the two, three mission star tempura restaurants, if you are so lucky to have the, the pocketbook and the means. It's not like anything you've ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, how much of this do you think is, you know, you're saying sort of rethink these, these technologies and tools that have sort of been pigeonholed into one use or, or haven't seen sort of cross-cultural use. How much of it, though, is the showmanship aspect? Putting on a little, having, having that part of, of the experience. I don't think it's showmanship. I mean, if you care about it, you're going to see craftsmanship in excellence. But I think, again, for me, I don't need to speak to somebody. I just want to be involved to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it's why I do love going to diners. I, I don't give a shit if it's like hash browns all day long. I like, I like seeing that immediacy. That's just, again, me. Some people may not. Tempura is amazing because you get to see like how difficult it is to do. To do well is not easy. First, you got to get the right oil, which is like virgin sesame oil, then different batters and you're changing it. And, and, and it seems simple enough, but it's really difficult to execute. And you're never going to really see that in America. Yes, you have it, but there's a couple spots where you can spend a, a boatload of money. But again, like I'm not going to say, well, I hope there's more temper response because mm-hmm. it's not applicable to most people for deep frying culture. And we also don't have... The, the, the audience to appreciate it. You know, enough for one in New York and one in LA or San Francisco, but outside of that, no. But, you know, when we did Bang Bar, I love that sort of conundrum when we would take the technology of vertical spit cooking mm-hmm. and you merge it with, say, Asian American food, mm-hmm. teriyaki or kalbi marinade. What, what happens when you put that on the technology? I don't think you can claim too much to the technology. It's sort of agnostic, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a cultural asset that will just go wherever because it wants to survive as well. So I I really love that because it's just a giant love letter to all vertical spit cooking to, you know, the foods you eat when, when I ate a lot, like when I was in Istanbul or Lebanon or Beirut, Mm -hmm. but done with flavors that are not that at all. 
And then I'm like, I love that because it scratches my mouth. Like, what the fuck is this? But it's normal. Now, if I go and a place isn't just like serving cheesesteaks on it, but now they're doing elevated okonomiyaki or okonomiyaki. something. Well, that's normal. You see sure. That. I guess anything that you can be. No, I, I, I think that uh, in the rare instances I've had to mess around with a big, big ass griddle, I, I, I do come up with the same feeling. I'm like, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> it's like an amazing way to cook. And another thing is you can get great griddles that are electric. Mm-hmm. Teppanyaki that's electric based. So you don't necessarily need to worry about gas piping, et cetera. So I think people should look into this. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you this because I want this to happen. Because I want to eat at these places. I do too. Just floating some free ideas out there. What's it good? Fine. <laughs> Tepon, Tepon is a wonderful thing. And uh, when I say that again, you could just say, I could replace teppanyaki with just plancha cooking. Mm-hmm. But plancha took off and everyone understood that. So many ranges like, oh, do you have a plancha? Do you have a plancha? It's popularized by a lot of the seafood cooking in Basque Country and Barcelona. That's amazing. It's so good for seafood. I mean, I loved I loved when we were doing the next thing you eat, or no, Ugly Delicious. We were talking about this vertical spit cooking. The way you put it then, and I think you, you sort of alluded to just now, is the technology is the hardware. And the cuisine, whatever it may be, whatever you want to put into the machine is the software. You know, a, a computer is the same whether it's here or it's in Taiwan or France or Mexico. But what you put into the computer, the games you run on it, whatever it is, like that can that can change. I think that that's a super interesting way to see. You know, I think there's so much conversation around whose food is whose and what flavors belong where, and et cetera, et cetera. And everyone wants to kind of pigeonhole you now, but you can't say nobody complains that oh, computer technology is everywhere. So I really, I really like this analogy, and I think that I do think as you know, the the cultural the culture moves more toward experiential things away from sort of just the the food comes out of an anonymous window and arrives at your table. I think that exploring this and and it's not, it's not just this, there are, there are other ones out there, but this is the only one, you know, I think that's the only way to move forward. So if I was going to buy a stock, I'd be buying a lot of teppanyaki because I think in general, the middle gets replaced with things that are experiential that people love that there's nostalgia. So I'm just saying like, it doesn't always like have to just be Benihana kind of food, which I love. It could be like all kinds of cuisines. And again, all I have to think of if you having the white mana mana in New Jersey, it's amazing. It's like the original white castle kind of burger type of thing. Mm-hmm. But if I just, so imagine if in downtown LA, somebody opens up a 12 seat burger bar. Yeah. There's a lot of burger spots, but how many of them where the griddle is facing the customer? Almost none. None. Zero. Right? And it's like, okay, I don't have money for a deep fryer. I can't get the permitting. All right, we're a hamburger spot that only does hash browns. Mm-hmm. Fine. You, you work with your limitations. But now, who's to say I can't take a lot of the ideas of forward-facing kapo or sushiyas for Japanese cuisine, incorporate that into how an American hamburger gets sold. Mm-hmm. You definitely can. I think that would be cool. Do you think, I mean, this is a, this is an age old thing for you though, as somebody who started with a noodle bar and had to work around, I, I, I get sort of the tep on thing. I get the, the plancha cooking. I get the sort of, 
you know, this is a full meal all unfolding in front of you with multiple things happening at once. But when you opened Momofuku Noodle Bar and sort of had ramen yas and things like that as your reference point, the thing to overcome is always in Japan, there's a culture around, hey, I show up, I sit at the counter, I slurp my bowl and I get the fuck out. It doesn't work in America because you have, I want a four top and I want to have dinner here and I want to spend an hour and a half here. So you have to sort of invent other ways. Now, do you think that our culture could keep up with a burger counter where it's sit down, get your burger right away. Maybe you get a, a, a dessert and then you get the fuck out, but you don't necessarily have. Again, like I'm okay with that. Not every restaurant has to be for everyone in those groups and those occasions. It's, it's it. okay. You know, diversity is a good thing. You know, see, this is, this is, this is, this is the thing. I think that, um, too often people want to, let's say this 12, 12 seat burger counter plancha cooking a la menu. That would be existed. so fucking sick. That would be so delicious. So you sick. can order your next one as you're eating your curry. Holy shit. You're getting different, different, <laughs> different. Oh my God. You can do a bur- <laughs> burger. Oh my gosh. Like, well, this is from this cow, right? This is now a grass fed beef from Argentina. This is a Hereford beef from, you know, and this is a different blend. This is from the short rib. This is all short rib. This is the chuck mm. with a little bit of the lean meat from the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You can do do that, right. right? This is our chopped cheese. This is our like fuck, so fucking good. In the immediacy, you don't have to wait. It's all done right there. It would be that would be sick. Yeah, but but we should like as diners, we should treasure what you just said, which is not all restaurants are for everybody at the same time. This is not the restaurant where, and, and you shouldn't have to think about your restaurant as the one where. I'm also good for groups. I'm also good for, for dates. I'm also good for large parties. I'm also good for this. It's like, this is, no, this is who we are. And well, this, this goes back seats. to when we're talking about Tony Scott's resignation from the New York Times. It's, we need restaurants that are specific for what they're doing and not a catch-all for everything. Right. You know, and I love, what I love about, if it was a 12-seat counter, I would imagine you could, pro- if it was busy, you could probably do six. I-, I would imagine that kind of restaurant, you could probably get a fifty to sixty dollar check average per person, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but like not that crazy. If you go to a restaurant right now, a burger's like thirty two bucks, and you don't get anything really, anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I you could even go a little bit higher. I would imagine you do that a turn every hour. It's like pretty lucrative for that one restaurateur or one chef. So the thing that I think gets lost in this and why I going back to sort of like coming to a restaurant and trying to get seated, why I don't give a fuck about that. I've always gone just for the food, never really for the ambiance. It's one of the reasons why I wanted Momofuku the way it was is to strip away a lot of the bullshit currently post or still in the pandemic. You're seeing a lot of that shit coming back to dining. It's mm-hmm. superfluous. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying no, but I think people want that right now. It's not necessarily my bag. I enjoy it just as much as anyone else, but like, I always want to focus more on the food than less about anything else. And you're like sitting down maybe next to a random person in these kinds of environments. First come, first serve, no reservation. I love that. I love it. It's a pain in the ass when you have to wait for a long queue, but again, that's the suffering needed sometimes. And I have to sit next to some random person. I know a lot of people may not love that. In Asia, that's just the way it is. I love, I really love 
even though it's awkward, I love going to say New York Noodle Town or any kind of Chinese restaurant where they're like, I hope I get a table by myself. There's <laughs> three of us and I want to get that four top and maybe they'll just sit us at the four top and there's just three of us and I don't have to worry about it. But inevitably they put you to like the big round and you're sitting next to a bunch of randos and you find out that it's not just one group of randos. It's like three different group of randos. <laughs> yeah. It's not comfortable. I love that. I love, and I mean that it's like, Oh, it's like, why? I feel like in America, people have a aversion to communal dining. And we saw that a lot in the media. It's like, not all dining needs to be separate. I, I mean, you know, I think about some of the best. I, I'm also somebody who doesn't necessarily, I don't want to mingle with randoms. and I don't, I don't want to sit necessarily at a big communal picnic table in the middle of the restaurant. I don't necessarily want to do that. But I fucking love eating at Swan Oyster Depot. There you go. <laughs> I love sitting next to whoever the fuck is who's next to me because I want to get to the food. And the relationship becomes about me and the person preparing the food. That's it. And less about everything else going around me. Yeah, we'll interact. You know, somebody's actually nice and, and blah, blah, blah. But I don't mind that at but all. But sometimes, again, you got to keep that option open. The person that sits to your right or your left. Or maybe let's just say in this scenario where we're talking about being a three top, sitting down at a four top. We get the four top. But now we have one seat empty. And guess what? It's jam-packed. They're going to fill that one top. And now all of a sudden, we don't even know how to talk to each other because we have some rando sitting down with us. This happens. Yeah. And you're like, uh, <laughs> this is fucking awkward. Who do you think that's more awkward for? The Both. three or the one? <laughs> guess what? The people you're dining with you have opportunities to do that all the time. When are you ever going to get an opportunity? Like we were eating, having a conversation and then some random motherfucker just sat down and started ordering. <laughs> no, this is the shit, right? This breaks up the monotony of, of, of expectation and just normal. Like you, you could just sit there and, and have an empty seat, but the, life's boring. It's also possible. The best kind of dining. I love it when I sit at a bar and everyone's eating together. It's also possible if you're open to it that the person to your right or left is a amazing, well-adjusted human being that has a great palate that wants to do this. And you're like, you have to be open to these possibilities. This is where I, as pessimistic as I am, this is where I am on a fucking optimist. Mm -hmm. You can't recreate that in these environments and restaurants that are already tried and true. Yeah. And I love that possibility that you may not know what the fuck is going to happen in a communal dining or that kind of setting. You could go to Swan Oyster Depot and not even talk to anybody and have a great time. That's great too. I just don't want us to be celebrating only one kind of fucking dining. Yeah. That's my fear. That's what we're reverting back to. Amen. <laughs> I agree, man. I, I, I'm, I'm all for seeing what's happening in front of me, sitting next to whoever and breaking up the monotony. Yeah. Eat at the restaurant next door to the best, most essential, hottest, hottest, sexiest, crispiest, juiciest, must try, must try restaurant. <laughs> it's very similar. Can't believe you remembered it. Yeah. All right. Give us five stars. And remember, we do not give financial advice, nor do we <laughs> endorse. The viewpoints of this show's host do not yeah. reflect those of the Ringer or Spotify. Because <laughs> it's a dumb fucking thing I just said. <laughs>